0: I've had a number of jobs over the years as I've filled the gap of my calling to church leadership. I've done carpentry. I've done landscaping. I worked in a Canadian tire warehouse. I have done cabinetry, worked as a FedEx courier. I was an online literacy practitioner for a couple of years. And some of these places I I felt like I really thrived in and and others were more of a challenge to go to work. You know, there were were days where I was pumped to get going and there were other days where, you, you know, you get out of bed and you feel a knot in your stomach because you're just dreading heading into your workday i imagine that many of you can identify with that at different points in your life but let me tell you about the best boss that i ever had his name was al al was the manager of of janscape this was a a landscaping property service company in langley bc and i just worked with him for a summer when i was between semesters out there in in bc And, and hands down best boss that i ever ever had he was a good a good dude on the rare occasion that I would end up riding in the, in the truck along with him, right off the hop, he'd be peppering you with questions. He'd be like, how, how are you doing? Uh, how's, how's work going? What's, what's going well? What's not going well? How are the team dynamics with the other employees? Is there anything that I need to be aware of? Anything that I can help out with? He'd say, are there tools that you think that we need that would help us to make the job more efficiently? And then last, his question would be, is there anything that I can do as your boss to help you to thrive more fully in this job and it, it was great you know he, he certainly didn't take every suggestion that that I made or I'm sure other employees made in such conversations but but he listened intently just to get a sense of what was going on to care for you as an individual to care for you as a as a worker and to, and to help the company to grow to be yeah strong and, and thriving and I, I just have a ton of respect for our best boss that I ever had. Now last week in our teaching from Ephesians, we were talking with this idea of submitting to one another. What does it look like to lay ourselves down for each other in the same way that Christ laid himself down for us when he went to the cross? And sort of the overarching verse for all of this was Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21. And it says, submit yourselves to one another out of reference sorry, out of reverence for Christ. Submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we dove into what that looks like within marriages, and then we applied it more broadly into all of the relationships that we find ourselves in. Now today, we're going to be looking at how this works itself out in the relationship between children and parents, and in the relationship between employers and employees. And so as we dive into these specific instructions, I want you to keep in mind this overarching theme, sort of the, the title for the section that came all the way back in 521. This, this instruction still follows under that, that instruction, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. This idea of mutual submission, laying ourselves down for each other. That's what drives what Paul is getting at here with these household instructions. I also, before we proceed, I need to remind you of the gospel. It's easy when we have these instructions to be like, oh man, like here's more stuff that I got to do, all these places, all these ways that I don't measure up, and I just got to keep pressing, I got to keep grinding, I got to be a better person. And that's not Paul's heart here. If you remember back, it's been a number of weeks we've been in the book of Ephesians, but if you remember back a ways, he spent a ton of time talking about what the gospel was. And he talks about how God lavishly poured out his love lavishly poured out his mercy upon the people through Jesus at the cross. So don't, don't forget that. Remember, you're under the love. You're under the mercy of Jesus. When you place your faith in him, he adopts you. He calls you his son. He calls you his daughter. And so you're, you're good to go. This is not a matter of doing things perfectly in order for God to love you. He already loves you, You're already settled in. And so now all of these efforts to live and to love well yourself, they fit under that banner or they flow from the love that God has already given you. So I need you to remember that. Please uh, just hold on to that truth of the gospel as we press into how does this work itself out in our daily life. So I'm going to give you a moment now to read the text. Go ahead, pause the video, look it up, grab your Bible off your, off your shelf, look it up on your phone. If you, if you don't have a Bible app, you can just Google it. Look up Ephesians chapter six, verses one to nine. Ephesians chapter six, one to nine. So go ahead, pause it. I'll give you a moment to read up and then we'll get started again. Okay, welcome back. So Ephesians chapter six, one to nine. Remember, this is within the framework of mutual submission that we have these instructions For within the family. And Paul starts with kids. He speaks to them directly, which is actually fascinating that he would speak directly to kids. It means that when the community of believers received this letter and they read it out loud, the kids were sitting there also learning, teaching from the Father. Verse one, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he goes on to quote um, one of the Ten Commandments where it says, Honor your Father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. All right. So kids, listen up. I just turned 36 years old on Thursday. To some of you that seems super old. Some of you might be thinking I'm just a spring chicken, but I turned 36 and I've learned something in those 36 years. And that is that the older that you get, the smarter or wiser that your parents seem to be. The older you get, the smarter or wiser that your parents also seem to get. Now, now it might seem like a funny joke, but it's actually true. But it turns out that they were smart all along. It's just as you get older, your eyes open to the fact that, oh yeah, like mom and dad actually knew what they were talking about when I was a kid, when I was a teen, when I was a young adult. And now as, uh, I guess, I'm not a young adult, I'm heading toward middle, middle age. My parents know what they're talking about most often. I know what it's like to sit there and think, good heavens, my parents have terrible ideas. I remember as a kid, it was painful on a beautiful summer day when the sun was out for a long time yet, and they said, you have to go to bed. They didn't want you to be grumpy in in the morning. I remember that being painful. I remember as a 13-year-old being uh, frustrated to the point of tears that my parents wouldn't let me listen to certain kinds of music or wear a certain kind of shirt I remember rolling my eyes when I was in grade 8 and I was heading off to a, a, a pool party at the end of the year. Graduation, grade 8, uh, pool party with, with my friends. And my dad sits me down with a, with a spiel about what the proper kind of conduct or behavior he expected of me while at this pool party. In order to remain pure, in order to be loving, in order to live as God would have me live. And I remember sitting there being like, oh good heavens dad. But as I get older I realize that he knew what he was talking about. That my mom knew what she was talking about as you get older your parents do kind of get smarter and wiser and so if you're you're listening to this and maybe you're eight or maybe you're 17 uh, whether you believe me or not it's true trust me that your parents will get smarter your eyes will be open to the good counsel that they have and so with that in mind I invite you to live in such a way that you submit yourself to your parents obeying them in the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. And on top of all this, this is something that God is asking you to do in his word. God is saying, obey your parents. And, and God kind of knows what he's talking about, right? So I would, I would highly, highly advise that you consider what does it look like to obey your parents, to honor them, to lift them up, to lay down your life before them in order to give them the good life, to give yourself the good life. And and so, I invite you actually to talk to God about it. Ask God, God, where are the areas in which I need to grow into greater obedience, grow into greater honoring of my father and mother? Listen to what God has to say and begin to live that out, starting with a specific step or two this week. Now, the good news for you kids is God also doesn't let parents off the hook. Verse 4 goes on to say, Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but instead bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, don't exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, don't go ask my kids if I exasperate them. Now, they probably don't know what the word exasperate means, but if you ask them, guys, does your dad frustrate you sometimes? If they're being honest, they will say yes. Yes. I know that they get frustrated when I raise my voice because they're not cleaning up as quickly as I think that they should. I know that they get frustrated when I'm harping on on them again to clean up their mess, to put away their toys, to stop walking away with my tools. But in the midst of the instruction and the training that I give them, I need to be careful that I don't exasperate or frustrate them. What does it look like to do this with kindness and with gentleness? What does it look like to honor my kids, to live out mutual submission with my children? Again, remember, this is the title for these sections. What does mutual submission with your kids look like? Of course, parents are authorities in their kids' lives. This isn't an invitation to let them run amok. It talks about training... Instruction, but how do we do this in a way that entails mutual submission? In a way that doesn't diminish them, demean them, push them down, discourage them, but honors them and builds them up. One way that perhaps this could work itself out I was listening to a podcast just the other week and they were talking about how to raise kids well, and one of the things they said that is key is to practice asking for forgiveness with your kids and this is actually something that I think my wife Brittany does really well I have a lot of learning and growing to do this in this area but creating a culture within your home getting your kids used to naming and identifying sin so you say you know what guys like I screwed up there whether it's something you did to them or something they saw you do maybe it's some road rage maybe you yelled at them maybe they can see that you were being greedy and you say you know what guys like that was wrong I sinned And you share that with them. And then you ask them for your forgiveness and say, I I really shouldn't have ignored you in that moment. I really shouldn't have yelled at you. Will you please forgive me? And this tills the soil. It tills the soil for a relationship of mutual submission. When they see you're not just frustrating them, you're instructing them, you're training them, but you're doing it in a way with kindness and with gentleness. Both kids and parents are called to live out mutual submission where God is present. And really, I I believe with all my heart that this is a pathway to beautiful, harmonious relationships. I said that last week with marriage and with friendship, that submission is the pathway to beautiful, harmonious relationships. And I believe that this is the case in the home as well. Following this, Paul transitions to the relationship between slaves and masters. And he's looking at what mutual submission looks like in those relationships. Now, for us, the obvious application is between bosses and employees. But first, we need to stop and we need to ask, why does Paul talk about slaves and masters in this way? Why does he ask them to honor each other? Why should he not be urging the masters to abolish slavery immediately? And honestly, I feel a little bit paralyzed that... Uh, how do I ever explain all the historical context and all the reasons in just a brief, in a brief sermon? Let me know if you want to dig into this more. I'd be pumped to give you a couple of resources, a couple of brief articles maybe to look at that kind of explains it more fully. But the gist of it is that basically the scriptures do teach that slavery is wrong in the eyes of God. It allows it, it permits it because it was existent within society both in ancient Israel and now, now in the, in the Greco Roman world where the new church is. It's kind of the, the, the water that they, that they swim in, but the teaching of Scripture, everybody's made in the image of God. Earlier in Ephesians, we talked about how every family under heaven derives its name from the Father in heaven. Everybody. And so there's no place for inequality. There's no place for pushing others away as inferior. The Bible leaves no room for the idea or the possibility, actually, of slavery. Also, Paul, in another book, the book of Philemon, Paul urges Philemon, who's a slave owner, to free his slave and to begin treating him as a brother. But here in this text, where Paul says, slaves, I want you to, uh, to submit to your, to your owners, and, and, and owners, I want you to honor your slaves, in this text, Paul is actually speaking in a much more subversive Way. We see the, 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 the flow of Scripture, it works progressively, and, and as, as the values of the kingdom of God work itself out, it, it advances to greater freedom, and, and when followed to an, its natural intended conclusion, the complete abolishment of slavery. And, and here, Paul is setting the stage by acting subversively, by kind of going under the radar to shift the attitudes and the postures toward one another to prepare for the advancement of, of this, this issue to prepare for the abolishment of slavery. And so in this, he calls the slaves and the masters to mutual submission. Now we need to continue the thrust of this by continuing to be aware of the reality of slavery in our world today. Asking hard questions. Where do your clothes come from? Where do the minerals in our technology, our our electronics come from? Where do your diamonds come from? We have to ask these questions. An organization that's doing great work, a Christian organization, is called International Justice Mission. Look them up. See what they're up to. Participate in the things they're advocating for. for, Support them with your finances. So we need to continue to work at that. And now we're also going to shift to apply this text to what it means for us. Because I think the most immediate application is about employers and employees. So 6 verse 5, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and with fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. When you're an employee of someone or doing a contract for someone, I've got to ask you, do you do the bare minimum of what's expected to get your money and get out? Or do you work in a way that lifts up and honors the people that you are working for? This stuff works itself out in so many minor details of what our workday looks like. Do you take longer lunch breaks then you should. Do you steal paper supplies from the office? Oh, an envelope here isn't a big deal. A laminated copy there isn't a big deal. Do you work each moment with integrity knowing or, or work each moment with integrity as if your boss is looking over your shoulder or is there a marked difference between how you perform when there's no one else in the room and how you perform when your boss does walk in? These are realities that all of us struggle with. And I ask you, what does it look like to obey your master, to honor your employee with respect and sincerity of heart? And the text also says that God is watching. He is your ultimate judge and He sees everything that you do. And He will reward you for what you do. For those of us, I I don't know how all this works, but when we make it into the new heavens and the new earth, those of us who are, you know, we placed our faith in Jesus, but we weren't being obedient in our place of employment, we were slackers, Um, we will be rewarded accordingly. And for those of us who lived with integrity and always honored our employers, there will be a greater reward. Now, don't ask me to explain all that. I don't know what that reward looks like, but Scripture makes it clear that there's a reward for those who live faithfully. Now, chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Referring back to the respect, the fear, the sincerity of heart that was acquired of slaves. Treat your slaves in the same way. You expect that from them? God also expects you to interact with them in that same way. And then verse 10, it says, For you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And so so in the text, there's like this creating this level ground of like you think you're the master and they're the employee. In reality, God's the master and both of you live under him as your master. So you're on level ground. And this is why we're called to live in mutual submission. Those of you who are bosses, those of you who are managers, those of you who hire maybe contract work, people to do work for you. Do you treat your employees with respect and sincerity of heart? Do you view them as equals, or are they just tools in your hand to make you more money? Viewing them primarily as tools in your hand to make more money is not what this text calls us to. Of course, we want to make money, but we need to honor people along the way. Are you paying them fairly? Are you interested in who they are as a person, or are you just ordering them around? As I said last week, mutual submission, the laying down of your lives for one another is the pathway to beautiful, harmonious relationships. And I take you back to, I was, I was talking about the best boss I ever had, Al, Al uh, Jansen's, and, and just how he honored us as employees and, and submitted himself to enabling us to thrive as an employer. Now, another example that my mind is actually drawn to is, is Dave Siebert. I worked for Dave in, at Aishwood working for a number of months and it didn't work out. I, God has not gifted me with the fine detail that's required for the work of cabinetry. Uh, it, was, it was frustrating for me. I, I simply wasn't good at it. And so after a number of months, I came to Dave and I said, Dave, um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit and in good conscience, I need to step out now. I know you're trying to train me and invest in me and I don't, I don't want to have you continuing to invest in me while I know that, that you know I'm going to be quitting soon. Um, So I'm going to quit right now. And Dave looked at me and he said, Ryan, he said, do you have another job to go to right now? And I said, well, no, I I do have another job lined up in carpentry uh, with Murray Armstrong here in in Zurich, but it's going to be a a couple of weeks, uh, maybe four to six weeks until that work is, until the the ground is, uh, until the snow's gone and the ground is dry and we're ready to go. And Dave said, all right, you're going to work for me for those next four to six weeks. And I'm certain that I didn't make Dave much money in that time. He was making work for me, finding ways for me to clean and, and, uh, and help out. There, there wasn't necessarily a ton of work and I wasn't growing into the job and, and improving. And anyway, this instance in which Dave looked at me and he said, uh, he didn't say it explicitly, but expressed, I care about you as a person. I care about your family more than the bottom line for my business. And Dave honored me. As an employer and, and i 'll uh, so anyway shout out shout out to you, Dave. I really appreciate that, and uh, I think that 's a great example of this text of an employer submitting themselves to the employee and, and I do think that that was a moment of mutual submission in in the workplace that I will never forget. How do you live this out in your workplace? How do you live this out in your family? laying down our lives for one another, submitting to one another is the pathway to beautiful harmonious relationships. So I'm going to pause and I'm going to ask you to reflect now. What does this life of respect, of honor, of mutual submission, what does it look like for you as a kid or an adult child? What does it look like for you as a parent? What does it look like for you as an employee, as an employer, And so I ask you, what is one specific step that you're going to take this week in further submitting within the relationships where God has put you? As a parent, as a child, as a boss, as an employee. Remember, verse 9, it says, He who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So what shift do you need to make? For me, it's a living out of what I already talked about, of, of asking your kids to forgive you. I'm, I'm going to try and live this out. I want to practice humility and repentance with my children. I'm going to actively look where are the ways in which I harm them, which I act out inappropriately, and I'm going to pause whether it's in the moment or maybe an hour later or whenever God draws it to my mind. I'm going to say, guys, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And it's my hope, it's my heart, that in this way I will not frustrate them, I will not exasperate them, but I will lift them up and honor them and create a home of mutual submission, create a home where Christ is present by the power of the Holy Spirit. In families and in workplaces, mutual submission is the pathway to beautiful, harmonious relationships. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the people that you have placed in our lives, for, for our families whom we love dearly, but sometimes it's difficult. We confess it's difficult to live well with those who we're the closest to. God, for our workplaces, when you're working together day after day and week after week, it's not easy. We confess that. We confess our brokenness, and we know that you extend your mercy to us. But in this moment, we're crying out for help. Make us like you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fill our hearts with everything that we need to lay our lives down. Give us wisdom in this. Expand the love within our hearts so that we can lay ourselves down to improve the lives of others around us. Thank You for the gifts of these relationships. Thank You for the gift of work. And so we offer all of it to You. And we ask that You would move in our hearts and then through us, through the remainder of this week and in the weeks to come. And we pray all of this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.